Welcome everybody to the Third Person Podcast. Uh, my name is Chris Milhouse and I am joined by my co-host Daryl Hammond. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Uh, this is our introductory podcast. Ooh. First one, getting it off the ground. We're going to have a great time. Uh, we'll be joined later by our guest Dean Edwards. But of course, let's start with us. Uh, my name is Chris Milhouse. I am a comedian. Been stand up for 15 years, been on a bunch of TV shows, uh, nothing really too exciting. Unlike my co host here, Daryl Hammond, who is one of the faces that you may recognize from Saturday Night Live. And uh, as the current announcer, you may recognize his voice for Saturday Night Live. <clears throat> How's it going, well, Daryl? Um, it's fine. That uh, announcer voice is a voice that we made up because they wanted me, they didn't want to replace Don Pardo. So they had me invent this voice in which Pardo actually is heard in a couple of different vowels. Okay, really? Weird, right? Like featuring, yeah. Here's the thing I always loved about Don Pardo with his announcing is that he always sounded like a ghost. (laughs) Like he has that ghost like, Daryl Hammond with Will Ferrell. (laughs) Yeah. He's a legend. Uh, His son is pretty cool too. Great great stand-up. Jimmy? Yeah, I was pretty friendly with him, and so um, Lauren didn't want to hire a guy uh, to come in who was a professional announcer, so he had me come in and invent a voice. That's me awesome, and, I mean. Me and Steve Higgins, and uh, every show we put, you know, Pardo in different places. That's Musical awesome. guests. I don't think I've ever noticed that before. Huh? I don't think I've ever noticed that before. Yeah. I guess you're not supposed to, but it's just something to make us feel like that it was more of an homage to him than, than a replacement. That's awesome. What a, you learn something new about you every day, man. Oh, man. <laughs> well, there's, there's plenty of bad shit to learn, too. Ah, well, same with me. Don't talk to any of my exes. I've <laughs> got a couple of rough edges, buddy. We all do, my friend. We all do. And uh, you know what? That's how uh, I feel like that's how we know we're in the right profession because comedy. It's a little, comes from pain, comes from some rough edges, and uh, we take it to the next level. We learn from it. Yeah. What do they say? Tragedy plus time equals comedy? Yeah, sometimes. <laughs> sometimes. Some, once in a while. Sometimes we're just bombing. <laughs> <laughs> but, sometimes uh, we're just tanking. Yeah. But for, uh, for all our, our listeners that we are uh, hopefully have now and will have in the future, what we want to do on this podcast is we want to do we do interviews with uh, some some great guests, you know, uh, comedians, actors, musicians, activists, everybody that we bring on. We uh, we do a nice little interview. We talk, you know, shoot the shit, maybe some current events, and then at the end, the way the reason why we call this the third person podcast is that we ask our guests to tell us a story, but in the third person, and hopefully it's a nice juicy story. Hopefully it's something that's wild and crazy. But uh, you know, to maybe avoid some implications and get in any trouble, maybe we can we you know we have them tell from the third person, so that way it can be a, add a little more fun element to it. Well, the great part about this podcast, I think, is going to be that um, we, between the two of us, know enough funny people. Oh, absolutely! That we're going to have funny people on, so that even if it's not my day or your day, there'll be someone on there who's having a good day. Absolutely. And we just want people... One of us is going to end up being funny. (laughs) We just want people to have a good time listening to our podcast and uh, maybe enjoy an hour out of their day by uh, spending it with us, you know? 
Yes, I um, was living in Los Angeles for the first part of COVID. It was pretty horrible. Um, you know, all the things that I had gone to L.A. for, like the comedy store, like the improv, you know, or your show and, uh, out in, um, was it Santa Monica? No, I had one at the improv for a little while. Because I was doing your show at the improv. Okay. Yeah. I mean, you know, those shows and... Um, my friends out there, I couldn't see them. It just didn't make any sense to live there anymore. It's expensive. Yeah. So I, I kind of moved back here and hooked up with some old friends and hooked up with you. Yeah. Um, I think it was a, it was a really good move. Absolutely. Um, I mean, I was, hopefully. I was in California too during, uh, quarantine. I normally live in New York city, but I used to live in Los Angeles for a long time. So um, I would do shows out in LA every once in a while. I'll put one of my own shows on. Um, I run a show in New York, uh, in addition to touring and man, like in the beginning in New York, it, New York got hit so bad so quickly that I, I legitimately got scared. And so I went to LA and, uh, I was out there for a while. Then that started getting bad. And so yeah. everything shut down quickly out there as well, just like the rest of the world pretty much. And, um, you know, I decided in July I came back to New York because New York had gotten better and they'd gotten things under control. And my favorite thing, by the way, is when you leave New York during this, New Yorkers take such offense to it. They get so upset. They're like, you left? Well, the ball's on you to leave. You're like, oh, sorry for sorry for wanting to save my own life, but okay. Yeah, well, fear will get you to do crazy stuff. But yeah, also, I didn't want to back. be locked in a small apartment in New York City. They're all so tiny. I didn't want to be stuck here. And I was, you know, luckily I have some family out in L.A., so I was out there for, you know, three months, four months. Yeah, and you know, New York is pretty darn good right now, um, comparatively speaking. But back when you were running uh, from New York, everyone was telling me, do not go to New York City. Because in the beginning, it was pretty bad. It was horrible. It was yeah. horrible. The but first- then... I feel like Cuomo figured figured out a lot of stuff. Like everyone had to learn on the fly, right? Yeah. And this place is pretty darn cool right now compared to being out there. I, I mean, I no disrespect. I loved Hollywood, but being alone for 36, 48 hours at a time, no bueno, my friend. <laughs> no. I give pretty a lot of credit to, to New York for – you know, not just Cuomo, but New Yorkers for actually like listening and wanting to, you know, make sure that this gets locked down and didn't, you know, I'd say majority of New York didn't politicize it with the masks and no mask bullshit like that you saw eventually, like in Florida and Texas and some of these other parts of the United States. But, uh, you know, I, um, I'm just, I'm happy that I'm back now and I'm happy that things have seemed to calm down. It's not that it's gone by any means, but, uh, you know, we're still, we're still keeping uh, keeping relatively clean and safe for the most part, and wearing the masks and sanitizer and all that. I find I find it interesting that people are finding ways to do shows. Um, you know, I sent you the, the article about the Berkshires where they did Godspell, yes. and you're telling me about rooftop shows now that sound really good. Yeah, well, in LA, there I know I just heard about last weekend they did a drive-in show at the Magic Castle. So they had these wow. like massive drive-in shows that um, people, this is how badly people want to get out and see entertainment, especially comedy in LA, that people paid like 150 bucks per car just to see comedy in their car. Isn't that crazy? 
yes, but I kind of <laughs> I kind of get it. I mean, the lineup was stellar too. So you know, I'm not I'm not detracting from that at all. I mean, Bill Burr was on the lineup, yeah. Jamie Kennedy, um, I think Jim Jeffries. So it was a, it was like a murderer's row. I mean, the, Eliza was on. You know, so it, it's it was definitely like one of those shows that you want to pay for. Out here in New York, though, it's a little bit different. We're still so locked down for the most part, but we have some shows that popped up. There are um, some like people are doing sidewalk shows at bars, um, which is less than ideal um you're doing shows in parks here um shout out to mark norman who's a comedian who's very funny friend of mine um he said that uh he was like i bombed so bad in the park i actually heard actual crickets (laughs) and this time they were real yeah he was like i literally nothing like letting you know that you're bombing when you actually hear real crickets so it's it's a weird thing that we're going through now. And, you know, I mean, I did a, I was telling you about this rooftop show. There's like a little penthouse that New York comedy club runs and it's, it's intimate, but they have everybody spread apart. You know, people wear masks. It's BYOB, which is cool for, you know, if you're a comedy fan and you want to come see something, but um, you know, there's, those are the types of shows that we're left with doing right now because we don't have any indoor venues. We can't really, you know, we're not all Dave Chappelle where we can, you know, take over an entire town out in the middle of Ohio and, run our own shows you know like it's uh what he's doing out there is pretty incredible it's they're having like a little summer camp and they're inviting like all these famous people like you know john stewart and david letterman and you know um sarah silverman everybody's coming out there and and doing these shows with him and i'm I'm just so jealous that i wish we could do that in new york but maybe in a little bit of time maybe next month i wish i could do one of those shows (laughs) me too (laughs) but i'm not famous enough i guess i mean you probably could i I don't, they would just look at me like, do you want to buy a ticket? <laughs> like, so, yeah. you know, I mean, 15 years in stand up doesn't get you shit unless, you know, like you're, uh, you know, fairly well known all the time. And not that I don't know all those guys that run those shows, but, you know, they're looking for those heavy hitters to, you know, guys that, uh, big TV credits and, you know, big nationally touring guys, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Any um, I mean, any update on the, uh, the 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 future of Saturday Night Live? Do you have any guesses as where you know what's going to happen for that? I think they're going to try to fashion the studio in a safe in a COVID safe way. I think they're going to. I'm guessing. Yeah. Be settling for fewer audience members. Yeah, probably about half capacity. But. If I were to guess, I'd say they probably wouldn't have people down on the floor and just be up top. Makes sense. I mean, you know, spread it out, maybe, you know, just uh, every other row of people or something. At least you have somebody there, though, hopefully. I mean, I'm hoping that we can get back to something as simple as indoor dining, nevertheless, an audience for Saturday Night Live, you know? <laughs> like, I'm hoping yeah. these numbers stay the same and we get to that point. I mean, they'll do, they're going to do a show. Their minds are made up, but they're going to do something. Hell yeah. I hope they do. We, we need it. Ooh. We need some Ooh. shows like SNL. You know, we need we need all that stuff. We need it to come Even back. if they only have 50 people in the audience, a jillion people will watch it on TV online. On yeah. How many does Zoom that seat? Do you know? 275. 275? All right. Yeah, I wouldn't, I, I wouldn't be surprised if they did something simple like 50 people to start, you know, to see how it goes, spread them all out make sure they have temperature checks and stuff on the way in and, you know, mask yeah, up. The TV audience will be like the Super Bowl. Yeah. 
I mean, maybe not the Super Bowl, but <laughs> a lot of fucking people. I mean, look at what's happening right now with sports. You know, I mean, you, you watch baseball. You and I are big baseball guys. Uh, we talked about the Yankees, big Yankee fans. But, um, you know, there's no fans, but they do, like, they are, like, you know, they have personnel kind of in the audience, uh, you know, in the stands a little bit, and they have... Well, they have placards of people. Yeah, they do have cardboard cutouts. Which is so surreal, science fiction-y. Uh, I think the word the, you're looking for is stupid. <laughs> yeah, and also, you know, it, it it's like one of those science fiction movies where humans have been long been extinct, and now we're doing this these weird these weird things. But it also underscores that oh yeah, we're right in the middle of a, a pandemic that's killed 170 thousand people. Yeah, and it, an illness that can disguise itself for two weeks. I mean, a really nasty son of a bitch. So it makes me think about that too. And I don't know. I can't get into the placards behind home plate, dude. Yeah, it's a little odd. It's a, it's always funny to me when you watch. Like um, sometimes they put the placards <clears throat> out in the um, in the you know in the in the home run areas, like you know on the outfield, and you see somebody hit a home run and it knocks the guy's head off. Because it's a cardboard cutout, and you decapitated somebody with a fucking line drive, you know, like, and you're just like, this is what we're doing, you know. And I, I gotta say though, I mean, as weird as that is for baseball, I've been watching a lot of NBA too lately, and NBA, they got it right. As much as I thought it was so silly for them to do a bubble in, you know, down in in Florida at Disneyland or Disney World, sorry, like. Inside there, they they basically just said nobody can nobody can come in, nobody can go. Like once you're in the bubble, you're you're in the bubble. You get checked every single day for corona. You know you oh, they they're keeping tabs on you, and it's just you know once once they know that where everybody's good, you don't have to wear masks in the bubble as much. Um, you watch these games, and ever they've had zero positive tests since they started the NBA season in this bubble, which means they're doing it right. Uh, they have people in the audience. They have like staff and coaches and like it's 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 all team related people, but no fans. They're bringing in virtual fans now, so they have you know a screen on the on the wall with all. They put up like twenty or thirty different people that are fans. They're all muted, but they all you know you can see them like going like this, you know, like their hands up in the air and like it's it's interesting. It's weird. But at least that you know that they're not putting players' lives at risk and any of the coaching or staff people's lives at risk because they're in the bubble yeah. and they're they're so careful they're so checking. Where meanwhile, with baseball, you know, every weekend there's a series being canceled because baseball players just refuse to stay inside their hotels or um, you know they're bringing in some some trim from some place you know that they don't know. <laughs> yeah, they got to get the trim. Yeah. You know, that's part of being a big leaguer, dude. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, there was, there was a guy who got in trouble in the NBA bubble. He left the bubble supposedly for a funeral, and then they caught him at a strip club in Atlanta in Magic City. <laughs> They're like, aren't, aren't you supposed to be starting a game tomorrow? And he's like, I just came for the wings. And they're like, yeah, all right, dude. Like, You know, Chris, sometimes in life you just got to do what you got to do. Hey, you know, you got to find that piece of ass that's worth the corona risk. <laughs> God, what a horrible and yet um, succinct way of putting it. Yes, um, perfectly. 
But think about it. Think about something like football. Um, they're grabbing each other. They're sharing sweat and oxygen as the 22 players collide every play, correct? Yeah. I mean, you're always hugging a damn guy and breathing on a guy. You really think the football players are going to wear masks? Yeah, the NFL season, I feel, is doomed. I feel like it's going to be one of those things that's, uh, you know, it's going to be a disaster. And unfortunately, I don't want it to be. And I don't like to also sound like a negative Nancy and, and be critical. But, I mean, you know, I want these things to succeed. I don't want to wear a mask, but I do it. You know, I don't want to have to sanitize every time I touch at a surface, but I do it. You know, I try to keep track. And, you know, I just want to get, uh, you know, through this as quickly and as safely as we all can. But I, I just worry that the uh, the NFL is going to be because they're not doing a bubble situation, and they, you know they're they're kind of uh, they seemed a little bit more loose, even more than more so than um, than baseball. So we'll see. Well, I say that we keep this discussion going with our first guest. Uh, our first guest today will be uh, Dean Edwards, who I'm trying to get us to join here. Dean Edwards, are you are you there? Hey. Yeah, what's up, man? I just... Hey, welcome Dean Edwards to the podcast. What's up, Dean? What's up, brothers? How you guys? We're what's doing up, great. Here, We're doing great. Good. Good. I just realized that my my daughter um, wants to use my my laptop last, and so it said Toriel on the. Uh... I figured. I figured as much. I mean, I only gave the, the link to this uh, to two people. Well, <laughs> look at mine. It says Anna's iPad, <laughs> which is. It's actually my drag name, okay? Yeah. <laughs> For those listeners that don't know, we're, we're doing this over Zoom right now, so that's how we're recording. Uh, but welcome, Dean Edwards, to the Third Person Podcast with Daryl Hammond and Chris Milhouse. Uh, For those who don't know D- Dean Edwards, very funny stand-up comedian. He has been uh, a legend in the game, so to say, and, like, you know, obviously a former cast member of Saturday Night Live with Daryl Hammond. So... I'm sure we've got some uh, some good memories and maybe some stories of uh, of the of the good old days back at SNL together. <laughs> yeah, man. It was maybe. <laughs> it, it seemed hard as hard as fuck at the time. Right, right. What, what, I mean, what you're in it? Really fucking, really hard stuff. Yeah. I mean, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, man, I, I mean, people don't. I don't think people realize. Um, I, you know, I, I often hear the comparisons to every other sketch show. And I just, um, on my Monday night, uh, for the mother protocol, I just had, uh, Aerie Spears who was on mad TV. We were talking about his time there. And I said, you know, the difference between SNL and everything else is we were, we do it live. And I don't think people really grasp the challenge of working, putting together a 90 minute um, program 20 weeks a year and how much it takes out of you because it's, it's, it's jumping on a moving train. You know, it's, it's, you're, you're kind of, you know, the, 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 the door is opening, you're running, you're trying to just grab hold and your legs are dragging and, and you get on and just when you get on, it comes to a stop and then they're like, all right, Get off! We're gonna do it again, <laughs> and, or, or we're gonna do another train. Right, <laughs> right. <laughs> I, mean, yeah. I have a, I have a tremendous amount of respect for both of you guys just from you know watching your work on there. I you know I've been fortunate enough to go and and witness 
a live taping. So that's about as close as I've ever come, you know, to, right. to being what you guys have done. But um, I'm, I, it looks like very much a cool and also, I wouldn't say the word terrifying, but just maybe a little bit nerve wracking type of a show where you're, you're, you know, you're going a thousand miles a minute and you're, you're just, you know, trying to remember lines and also trying to stay in character. And it's, it's just, looked like, it looked fun overall. I'm sure at the time it might be a little, you know, a little bit much, but then you look back and you're like, man, that was a good time. I'll tell you what I think it's like, you know, like in basketball, they have a fast break, right? Someone mm-hmm. steals the ball. Right. And all the players hurdle down the court, right? So it's kind of like that. And then, someone steps out and trips you or some shit because <laughs> not some someone necessarily, but something like the scaffold didn't show up. Right. Or the basket uh, disappears. <laughs> you're out of the show. You know, um, the host wants to sing. Um, right. Yeah. I mean, I'm thinking, I'm thinking of all those lonely nights in my dressing room when it was something. Yeah. Yeah, weird where ass I, thing where I'd get cut from the show. Okay. Yeah, yeah, that's that. That was and, always, always frustrating because you know you do you work on something. You, every every sketch that you were part of was your baby of sorts, mm-hmm. and, and and you had the idea maybe at the after party the week before. You said I'm gonna I'm gonna start writing this on Sunday. You pitch it on Monday and and it clicks. And the, the guest host is like, yeah, I like that. And then you work on it, and it kills at the table read on Tuesday, on Wednesday. And then you block it Thursday, and then you run it Friday. And then at the dress show at 8 o'clock on Saturday, it, it destroys. And, and they say, you know what? We, we, we want to, um, it's, it's going to be the fourth sketch. It's going to go on right before Weekend Update. And then at the last minute, like you said, the host might say, yeah, you know what I... I don't know. I don't know if I want to make fun of that person or, um, you know, I'm, I'm an actor and I want to show people I can sing. So I'd rather do that other sketch. And you, <laughs> or, or, you know, one night someone came up to me and went, would you mind if Mick Jagger plays your part? <laughs> I was like, I guess not. What if you, I mean, what are you supposed to say? No? Like, nah, fuck that old ass. I mean, if anyone's going to take my part from me, I guess it's better if it's Mick Jagger. <laughs> right. right. Would Mick but Jagger love if I, if I just jumped on and sang one of his songs? Right. You know, like, what the fuck? But, but you can't say no. And that's the business of the show, you know, because it's show business. And of course. especially in this era of viral videos, if if cast members are on, but then Mick Jagger shows up just to watch the show, and and uh, Mick's like, yeah, I'd love to be in something, and they're like, Dean, Daryl, uh, Mick is in it. It's great for ratings. It's great for the moment. But as it, as an active cast member, you're backstage. <laughs> you're best. You're like, you know, Daryl. I know you came up with a really good French accent, and it's a good accent. But Jagger wants to play the waiter. Right. Okay. And he's gonna. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I ain't asking. Right, right. We ain't asking you. Right, right. It's, it's, it's Tony Soprano. You know what? Listen, we're, we're doing what we're doing with or without you. <laughs> You're like, That's I right. And you, and you I, just suck it up. Yeah. But over a period of time, it really wears you. 
It does. Let me ask this question. You know, you're, you're talking about, you gave an example of, um, you know, how, how it all works and how you, you know, a sketch can disappear like that. Do you, do you remember a specific sketch, Dean, that you loved and that was crushing and then just never aired? I remember all of them. <laughs> <laughs> but is there one come to mind that, like, you're like, dude, like, this was the remember, one that I really loved or one, one of the, like, ones? I remember this one specifically because, and Daryl remembers this week, Annie, um, Annie Biography and Harry Smith were shooting us, right? So, um, Lauren and the producers yeah. finally opened things up and said, you know, we're going we're gonna to let people behind the scenes to see how this works. And so they <laughs> followed us all week. Um, I was, I had a, like, part of my audition, I did this Michael Jackson sketch. This Michael Jackson yes. I remember the sketch so well. Right, right. And it was a brilliant did great sketch, brilliant impression. Hugh Fink um, wrote it, and Louis and the makeup team made me look like Michael Jackson to the point where um, Gwyneth Paltrow was the was the guest host that week, and I think um, Matt Damon happened to come to hang out with Gwyneth, and he told me between the dress rehearsal show and the live show um, where it got cut. Uh, he was like, Dean, that, that, that was amazing. I said, oh, thanks, man. He was like, no, you, you have no idea. My friend is a makeup artist who works with Michael. And while we were watching that sketch, he was like, I don't know why Michael would make fun of himself. So that was like the ultimate compliment because the guy <laughs> actually thought I was him. But here's what's funny. That wasn't the sketch I was upset about. I had, um, I had two, I had written a sketch um, called Flacco and Rufus, right? Looking back, it was pretty much a, a straight ripoff of um, of, of uh, the Homeboy Shopping Network. And we had just, okay. NBC, NBC had just been hit with anthrax maybe two or three weeks prior. And so we wrote a sketch where it was myself and Tracy as like these just two dudes off the block that had uh, a truck full of anti-anthrax, uh, you know, <laughs> items. And Gwyneth Paltrow played an amazing Puerto Rican shorty named Matisol. And she, and she crushed it. So the sketch actually, when we went into Lauren's office, Michael Jackson was off to the side. I was a little disappointed, but I was happy that something that I wrote was in the show, but it was the last sketch of the night. Ah. It was the last sketch of the night. Death Valley. Death Valley, man. Is that what you and, call it? Death Valley? Yeah, yeah. Because you know, what's funny is... Yeah, you run over and then you get to if, if the show is running on time, then you're golden. But it never is. Never is. But but still, there's that, that gray area where you think, okay, they might be able to cut a page or two and still can squeeze it in. So we get the... I actually... I finished whatever previous sketch I was in, and it's about 12, 12.40. I put on the makeup and, and the hair and everything, and at about 12.52, show ends at 1, I'm, I'm watching whoever's in a sketch. I think, like, Jimmy and Horatio were in a sketch, and Jimmy was laughing. Well, and fucking Abraham, shocker, always, always, Jimmy Fallon, always. Every time you saw Jimmy laughing, you're like, oh, damn, come on. You know, you're, you're like, we're going like, two or three minutes over. You're like, come on, Jimmy, just just land the plane. <laughs> and and the sketch went a little long, and you just hear Jenna over the loudspeaker. Okay, we're cutting cutting that sketch. We're just going to a commercial parody. So when you when you watch this, 
anytime you've ever watched SNL and you see cast members wave <laughs> at the end and you're like, I remember seeing Daryl Hammond dressed as a grasshopper. <laughs> you know, that's because because that sketch the got final cut. sketch got cut. Oh, yeah, man. I mean, you know, one time I did a a thing with a. Um, I was supposed to be Tony Soprano, and it was Molly Shannon playing the fifty-year-old dancer, and I worked really hard on doing Tony Soprano, and then. I had like four minutes between sketches during which time I got chalk in my mouth, glue in my eye and a scaffolding fell on my head. <laughs> now, when I get out there with Molly, you know, we're in the bada bing, we're in the strip club and I'm trying to do Tony Soprano. And um, they bring out these new cards I've never seen. It's like new dialogue and all of that shit put together. I just folded. And I started doing Marlon. I started doing Marlon Brando. Oh man! I was like, "Let me just tell you something, you guys. You know the bada bing." And I'm like, "I'm sorry, man. I, I got glue in my eye. I never seen that. I never saw that. I don't even know what you know what I mean. Yeah. At least give me a chance to see it to go over it. Yeah. When when that happens, because it's, it's going live. How how did you re? Uh, were you able to adjust and get? Through the sketch, or were you in your head at that point? When that but happened? not as Tony Soprano, right? I, w- I right. mean, I was trying to do Tony Soprano, but it came out more like Marlon Brando. Right? She says she's fifty. You know, <laughs> people were like, okay. <laughs> and, and then Molly Shannon came out and um, destroyed, destroyed, yeah. destroyed. That's the best thing about having like a cool cast. From what I, you know, no matter what, like SNL always has these players that can literally just take what you're doing it and then, you know, catapult it. And, you know, you always know that you, whoever's with you in that scene or whoever's, you know, on your cast, like you're good, man. Like they're gonna, they're, they can pick you up. They can take it to a next level. It, that It's impressive to me. Well, it, it, it's, it's a great moment. But again, where it's like you're a unit, but you're also in your individual head. So when you're in a sketch, I imagine um, when that when that occurs with Daryl, that of course you're happy Molly is is saving it, but then now you're angrier at yourself because you both are sort of you're you're running this race together and you're seeing them lap. You're like, nah, but we we've been jogging next to each other the whole all week, and then suddenly <laughs> something happens and that, that you you just watch them run off. You know, it's like someone walked up to you and just punched you in the face. You know, <laughs> you're trying to do your line and some big guy walks out and decks you. That's what it's like. I mean, you can count, you know, you want to put your best foot forward. So you don't really want chalk in your mouth. Right. You right. don't really want glue in this eye. Right. 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 And a bump on the head. <laughs> <laughs> and words you've never seen before. But thank God it was thank like, God, it was well, right. Daryl checked out. Thank God Molly's coming out. Right. Well, and then yeah. you also feel self-conscious because I remember um, when – and it's similar to stand-up. You, as many victories as you have, you remember the where you felt like it was a failure, where it didn't go the way you wanted. And I remember, um, I think Sarah Michelle Geller was our second show of my second season in 2002. And the the cue cards, we, we were doing a spoof of, um, of, of Christina Aguilera's Dirty video. And I was playing Red Man. 
And actually, I've met, I don't think I've ever told this story uh, in public. Nice. So I'm playing Red Man, and it's going, it's going well. You know, it, we, we do well in the uh, 8 o'clock show. The 11.30 show, the live show comes on. And the cue card guy, the camera came to me. I did, I ran, did my lines, it cut away, and then it comes back, and I'm rapping. The cue card guy held up the wrong cards. <laughs> and on, yeah. live, on live television, I'd never experienced this. I wasn't, there's no way to prepare for it. No one ever says, no, you know, because no one says, yeah, you know what, if, if someone holds up the wrong cards, go with it, you kind of... So I, I freak. So he holds up the cards. I just start speaking Ebonics. I'm like, yo, <laughs> yo. <it> was, <laughs> and it was painful because then you walk, you don't even have time to get pissed and, and tell anyone or even talk to the cue card guy because you're rushing off to get ready for the next sketch. And then subsequently after that, because everyone just, we weren't in, in, in sync on that episode. And I remember Lauren had a meeting with, with the cast on Monday. And he went off on on, on us, collectively. Yeah. And and he said just the right thing to hit everybody. You know, I think Catan had just um, had a movie come out. He's like, you know, if you, if you, if you don't want to be here, go make your awful comedies. Or uh, you can go play your the sidekick. In you know in 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 a B movie or you can go back to commercials and I had just done like a couple commercials so I was like oh he saw he saw where I flipped you know you you <laughs> felt it you, you felt it and and that was there there were every, every every cast member probably has a million stories where they had so many victories but just those one or two incidences um, over the course of each year that took you out of your element and out of your comfort zone. I remember that specifically. And I remember that after that, <clears throat> I stopped making excuses for anything. Mm -hmm. And I realized that's what was expected of me. You know what I'm saying? Because there was a time when I threw my costume and shoes into my change area because the, there was a cue card missing mm -hmm. and I tanked. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you got all these executives from from Hollywood. Right. The people that write the checks don't care what, you, what the hell the problem is. Right, right. The fact is there was a problem. Right. The fact is you weren't funny. So right. you care so much about it, you get upset. Yeah. I didn't really realize I was expected to not get upset. Right. What, military oh. stuff. Yeah. You know, and, and uh, I, I remember uh, going into Lauren's office one time with Tracy this is like the first few days that I think Tracy was there. Mm -hmm. And he's, we, you, you know, like a senator called him on the phone. There was Secret Service in there. And you could see him moving the parts around with such incredible authority. Right. We walk out and Tracy goes, she goes, ain't no eye rolling up in that motherfucker. <laughs> ain't no eye rolling up in that motherfucker. I was like, you're right, Tracy. In fact, you are right. Ain't no eye rolling in that motherfucker. I'll tell you one one last one. I don't know if this is any good, but I had a host who had a um, a predilection for being fucked up. Okay. Mm. Very famous, super talented, super great guy. Name names. He, no. <laughs> 
he comes up to me. I was playing like this angel from uh, It's a Wonderful Life or something. I forget. And he comes up to me and he goes, um, he asked the cue card person to come over and he goes, you see that car? I go, yeah. And he goes, I'm not doing that one. I go, what? (laughs) (laughs) I'm not doing that car. I'm like, and you know, and Jenna's counting down going, five, four, three, two, right? Right? And I get out there and Motherfucker, I pulled some shit out of my ass that night. (laughs) (laughs) Talking like an angel. Whoa, shit. Yeah. (laughs) Pearly Gates talk. (laughs) That was like my best performance ever. And somehow managed to survive. That's what makes you guys so special, though. I mean, that's how you get these jobs on on SNL, man. You guys can take it and run with it. You know? Everybody that's watching this is going to go look for the. Uh, oh, that yeah. particular sketch. <laughs> you read my mind. I was literally like, later on, I got to Google that sketch. <laughs> but but I mean, who would even think to go? I'm not doing that car. Right, right. That takes balls. That takes that takes. I'm uh, talking about when Pavarotti shows up. He toes the line. Yeah, yeah. You, you understand what I'm saying? Yeah, I, I I found you know what what I I found interesting. I think one of the most interesting things I I noticed um, during my time there was how 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 much reverence and respect all entertainers, all public figures have coming to do that show, where they check their egos at the door unless they were old hand and let you know Alec Baldwin. He he's he runs the show when he shows up. You know, there's certain certain um, guests that they've been there so many times that it's no big deal. But for someone that's coming for the first time and they they they're actually a deer in heaven. They're nervous. Like, hey, I just I hey I, I respect you guys so much and appreciate just being here. And you can tell sometimes during their monologues too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, there's yeah, and, and remember, <clears throat> these aren't average people right these oh, yeah. are the best in the whole world yeah man what they do yeah, yeah my favorite is watching like a sports player come on mm-hmm. you know and you know they're not actors they're not comedians right. but sometimes they surprise the shit out of you with how they, funny they can they, be i mean eli manning you know um Peter. Peter manning Jeter like was good, yeah. Jeter was good. Uh, Charles Barkley. I mean, it was right. those type of guys that, like, you just you're expecting. You're like, oh, it's a sports star. This isn't going to be funny. And then you watch, and you're like, oh shit, you got to trust the writers, and you got to trust, like, you know, the cast. Not only that, that you know? there's something to be said for the fact that these are guys who have won at just about everything in their whole life. Right. True. And they don't. I don't. I, I was sitting. You know, we were doing a read through with Jeter, and I was just a few down, three down from him. Mm-hmm. And I remember thinking to myself, it's impossible for him to believe that he, he can, he's going to fail. His brain does not compute that shit. Right, right. <laughs> and as a result, he ends up doing pretty good. In right. fact, he was very funny. He was, he was, he was solid, man. He was, and and was, a, was a nice, just the nicest, classiest dude. That, that was another thing that I was always um, amazed with because as, as cast members, you have to roll with it. Well, you you do you have to walk around to some level of extent with a sense of confidence because you're one of 
150 people in 40 some odd years that have been cast. So that boosts your ego. But when, when, when you get there and you see how down to earth other celebrities and stars are, it, it also prepares you for the, re- the reality of the industry. You're like, yeah, they're just, they're just like us. Yeah, and I remember there was a girl on our show, and I'm not going to say her name while people can listen, but I know you remember her. She's a tech person who was the biggest um, Yankees fan in history, I think, and, and adored them. Was She had this sort of almost childlike personality, but this gargantuan intellect. She loved them so much. And I remember Jeter walking past her during the show, and she was standing there looking at him. And he could tell she was enthralled, right? And she was a little challenged. I'm telling you, after the show, after the pictures, after Derek Jeter, you've just done another incredible, you just beat the world again. Right. Before he left... He walked all the way down that hallway at 8H, mm-hmm. and she was standing over by the by the ladies' restroom. I, mm-hmm. I walked over there and watched. Mm-hmm. He just went over and spent a couple of minutes with her. Yeah, yeah. What? Incredible. Yeah. Incredible, man. That's why he, he's so revered in New York, and he'll yeah. always be revered because of stories like that. He didn't have yeah, to go talk to that poor girl, and yet, do you understand how life is better for her? Right. Right. Oh, for sure. But life's better now. Because, yeah. you know, Derek took a minute. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and that's really all the greats. You know, I I, I always reflect on, to the, people always ask, and I'm sure they ask you, Daryl, um, well, who's, who, who didn't you, who, what host didn't you like? What host did you like? And I always tell people, I say, you know what? To me, for for me, because I, I I did two I did forty one episodes with this with the Super Bowl um, episode, and the classiest dude that I ever met in Hollywood was Bernie Mac. And the reason I say Bernie was because I, I get, this always stuck with me. Um, did he host? When when he came to host, oh, I didn't know that his show had just his show had just. Uh, Won like a Peabody Award, so he was hot. He was doing Ocean's Eleven, and uh, and I I was able to share a story with him about when I first started and met him, and how you know it came full circle, and now he's in my office. But what I noticed most was during the um, the the evening that we we always meet hosts. Everyone files into Lauren's um, Lauren's office on the seventeenth floor. Um, it's this giant office, but when you take 17 cast members and all the writers and 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 uh, the handful of you know crew that that files in from wardrobe and makeup and tech and and everyone's now you know my spot was was I think Tracy sat on on the chair and I squeezed in right here and most of the hosts would sit down in front of Lauren's uh, Lauren's big desk. He had this big, like, oak desk. He'd sit behind, and they'd sit in front, and you'd file in and see them, and then everyone would get to pitching. Only only two heads of state, um, Al Gore and, uh, and Senator John McCain, rest in peace, they stood at the door and introduced themselves to everyone as they walked in. Every every writer, every cast member is like, he's like, hey, I'm John McCain. Hey, I'm Al Gore. Bernie Mac was the only 
only um, actor, comedian, celebrity that that actually stood at the door and asked people, well, hey, I'm Bernie. Hey, it's good to meet you. My name's Bernie. And, and I just, I was like, going back to what you said about Jeter, that's that's how you wear it. Because yeah. that sticks with you long after. Absolutely. Things. That always remains in my mind that this dude, we all knew who he was. <laughs> <laughs> You're hosting the show, of course. You're the host this week. <laughs> but it just, it just was, a, it just... It, it it made you revere him a little more because you're like, wow, that's classy, you know. And, and, and wasn't he dealing? Wasn't he also, aside from being a, a world famous, at the top of the the comedy world, wasn't he dealing with an illness of some kind? It, it probably was because I mean I, I think that's that's how he uh, ultimately passed away. He might I don't remember uh, specifically, but he might have been dealing with um you know that that. That week. But here's the, here's the thing that I notice about guys like Bernie Mac, specifically, like, he's a stand-up. And he's a guy who started from, you know, we, we all know as stand-up comics and, as, and even in improv comics, too. Like, you know, you start from nothing. You start in, like, these crappy-ass rooms. You know, you're, you, you work the shittiest bar rooms. You, you know, you put in your open mic time and you... you you don't get to where you are like Bernie Mac, like without having to fucking put pay your dues. Right. And, and guys yeah. like that, I respect so much. And I think that he also, the, the story you just told makes me realize like, Oh, like he was, he never forgot where he came from. Right. He yeah. always appreciated everybody that got him to where he was. So, yeah. you know, even though those people didn't necessarily in that room, help him get there, mm-hmm. they're helping him at that moment. Yeah, you know, and that's a big moment, you know, like the host yeah. SNL. Yeah, so, you think to be you know, to be to we respect be, each other. Yeah, to be as good as he was, as great as he was, you know, Dean, that guy did ten thousand sets. Yeah, right. In forty-eight states for twenty years to get great. Right. You know what I mean? Right. And yet, right. I remember walking in the writers' room one time. And Paris Hilton was walking out of, um, I forget who had the office by the table, but she was walking out of the office with her little dog. And I, I heard her say as clear as a bell to her assistant, she said, how many more of these do we have to do? <laughs> you know, remember, the host goes from Emmy Award winning writer to Emmy Award winning writer to Emmy Award winning writer. <clears throat> you meet them all, you go to their offices. How many more they say had to dare? <laughs> you you right? always have that you always have that spectrum of, of like guys like Bernie Mac and then you you know then it is you know they play the fame game and you gotta go with you know hosts like Paris right. Hilton and you know people that didn't she never had to pay <clears throat> dues to get into like right. you know <clears throat> and I that's, that's out of a sketch because she didn't want to be in a sketch with Joey Buttafuoco. Really? Wow. Wow, crazy! Do, do you do you recall when Paris Hilton was? She she was after I think she came like a year or two. I, <clears throat> I remember I remember because I spoke to Tracy. <laughs> I spoke to Tracy afterwards. <laughs> I can only imagine what he had to say. I spoke to Tracy afterwards, and he had the funniest thing. And, and Daryl, you've been around, so you you've seen him do this. And Tracy went up to. Her, like just in the hallways, and he was like, he was like, I saw your video, I saw the video. They, they, they didn't do you right. I don't. I'll show you Brooklyn. 
Oh, oh, oh. oh man, that's like a fabulous story. You know, picture with her dog just standing there, like, who, who is he? Yeah, that's incredible. Because I wanted to say to her, you know, I loved your movie. Just, I couldn't tell if you were blowing a guy or being rescued <laughs> from an Iraqi hospital by night rangers. You know, and I, I wanted to compliment her like that, but Tracy actually had the nerve to walk up and let her know. <laughs> let her know. That's, that's why we all love Tracy, because sometimes he'll he'll say and do what we all want to, but, but won't have the things to. But every, I guarantee you, every female cast member and or writer had numerous conversations before she got there and then once they met her they were like can you believe this you know that's why i loved amy so much because she she put i remember when 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 my first season began you know our first day of work was supposed to be 9 11 2001 and uh and so we were dealing with that we we're dealing with the anthrax and so everybody that had been on the show in the past came just to hang out and Yes, yes, and, and so you know, I think Chevy Chase was hanging out backstage, and then Dan Aykroyd, and, and so forth. And we had all these guests, Steve Martin, and I remember one like Amy just voiced it perfectly. Like, hey, that's nice. All, all these, uh, all these veterans. Can I get on stage now? You know, you had your chance. Can I get some shine? And, and I was like, yeah. I was like, because we're like, I'm, what was uh, Jay Moore's book, Gasping for Airtime? Everybody's gasping just to just to get a shot. Coach, put me in the game. Just, just want to, let me, let me at least hit a ground, ground to first base. I'm telling you something. That competition is so fierce. Yeah. If you're not prepared to lose a finger, if you're not prepared to fight right. that hard. Yeah. <laughs> you're not going to make go it. Home. You just go home. Yeah. That's yeah. how hard we fight. Yeah. Every, I, every week. I only have, uh, I don't know if you guys uh, care to hear my one story, but I have we one, hear it. one story of um, when I went to SNL. This is about four or five years ago, and I was a guest of Pete Davidson. Okay. And, uh, and, and uh, he had a writer that he brought on with him uh, named Dave, uh, Dave Cyrus. So uh, Dave and Pete got me into, and I got to hang out in the writer's room. That's basically where I was hanging out. So it was Matthew McConaughey hosting and Adele was the musical guest. And I just remember I met Matthew in the hallway and he literally was introducing himself as just McConaughey to everybody. And so I just look back at him, I go, Millhouse. And he just goes, what? <laughs> he just goes, I don't know what you're talking about, but all right. And then he just walked away and I was like, I, I, all right. Um, I was like already, I'm not looking great as a guest of somebody who works at the show, but then it got even weirder because, um, I went down They, you know, you're sitting in the writer's room as a guest. And then, um, you know, when the musical guests perform, they let everyone from the writer's room kind of go down to the floor and you can watch, um, the musical guests. I skipped the first performance and then, um, the second one, uh, they were like, dude, you really should go check it out, you know, go see it. I was like, all right. Because I, I, I'm not real familiar with Adele's music, so I was like, whatever, you know, like, I, it's, you know, let's go check it out. Why not? So I went down there, and, um, you know, she crushes it. She kids, you know, got, got some pipes on that girl, you know? Like, so anyway, fast forward to after um, 
that was over with, there's like that little lull where it's commercial break and uh, everyone goes back upstairs to the writer's room. I'm on my way back. I see Pete Davidson and I think, um, I want to say John Ranitsky, I think was that season. And like, uh, I see these, these guys that I know that I'm friends with and I start chopping it up with them while they're in that middle of that hallway, you know, with the dressing room mirrors and, right. you know, um, getting ready. And Pete's like, finally goes, yo man, like, I, I, I gotta, I gotta go. <laughs> I was like, yeah, all right. And then I look around, I'm like, no, nobody I was with that I came down with there was, there, I'm by myself. I'm like, yo, we're like, how do, how do I get back up? <laughs> I started having like a panic attack. And he was like, uh, he just goes, yeah, it's just, oh, there's some people, just follow those people. And I was like, oh, thank God. So I started following these people and then they duck in a dressing room. And I'm like, well, fuck, now I'm in some fucking hallway. I don't know where the fuck I am. You know, in my head, I'm like, dude, like, don't freak out act like you've been here before act like you know where act like you belong right and so i just stand there my hands on my hips just like at this one fucking corner because i found two other people that were just standing around and i was like all right like i'm just gonna stand here until i figure this shit the fuck out and adele walks straight up to me and she just goes she goes hey and i was like hey like i'm like what and I said that, you know, that was amazing. You know, great job. You crushed it. And she goes, thanks. I felt a little flat, blah, blah, blah. Like she's having this full on conversation with me. And I was like, in my head, I'm like, who the fuck does she think I am? And so, like, I don't. What, what would happen if you went, hey, I don't work here. Yeah. You know I just I mean? wandered in from the streets. She'd be um, like, well, get the fuck out of here. <laughs> here's what happened. Like, I didn't realize, I didn't realize that I was standing right next to her boyfriend. She thought I was his friend. So, like, she thinks that I'm with this dude. And she's like, you know, so she looks at me and then looks at him. She goes, should we, should we go back? Uh, should we go back into the, the dressing room? We want to go back and have a drink, celebrate, because that was her last performance. She was done. And, uh, and he just goes, yo, I don't know who this is. He sold you out. <laughs> he literally just goes, I don't know who this is. And I was like. And I'm like holding my little pass and I'm like, no, I belong here. I work, you know, like I'm friends with people that work here. And like, she just goes, oh, well, all right. And then she just turns her back on me and walks away. And I was like, that was so fucking weird. I'm shitting my pants because I don't know what the fuck to do. And then I finally find a security guard that brought me down originally. And I was like, yo, how do I get back to the writer's room? And he looked at me and goes, yeah, you're not supposed to be down here. And I go, I know. Please don't tell anybody. And then I, he gets me back up there. And this is like the last part of it where I'm walking back into the writer's room. And you know that floor, that hallway is so tiny. Like these, this is an old building. It's been around forever. Like these hallways are small, they're thin. Like, so I'm walking through the hallway, and Jonah Hill and Emma Stone are in the hallway, and they're chit chatting with each other. And I was like, you know, excuse me, just gotta get by. And Jonah just looks at me and he goes, "So go then." And I looked at him. I was like, I would love to, but you kind of need to move. And he just and he goes, "You're Billy." He goes, "Did you just fat shame me?" And I was like, "If the hallway fits." literally just straight up fucking like balls like i literally just go i just go i'm I'm just gonna play with this guy like and see if i can keep straight faced and then emma starts crying laughing (laughs) and then he just like he smiles but he like keeps like staring at me like dead-eyed and he was like he was like i don't know is it take your child to work day today or something like that he starts like coming back at me and i was like i just was like dude i'm sorry i just gotta get to the writer's room and he just started like he just goes all right, man. <laughs> like, and, yeah. I was like, I so not only did I insult Jonah Hill, 
or did you know i not really insult but like fuck with them and it, like i did that and then i also like got lost and then kind of fucked with McConaughey. i was like dude i'm never getting invited back like they're gonna have me on a list of like no people never to allow back in this fucking in this building i wish i wish when you finally passed uh jody hill you just looked back and said Millhouse, like you did to McConaughey. <laughs> call back right there. <laughs> Don't fucking forget back. it ever. <laughs> Millhouse. <laughs> Dude, as, as, soon, as soon as you said that you were alone in the in the long hallway leading up to 8H and you just saw some people, I was like, in my mind, I was like, he's in, he's in Adele's entourage because I know because that's where the musical gets. Yeah, that's where it was, right there in that corner. <laughs> yeah, that's funny, dude. That's yeah, I was worried. I was like, I asked, like, I went to the after party and uh, or one of the after parties. I don't know. Y'all have like fucking five of them. Yeah. You know, like there's always like three after parties. There's like a mingling, and there's an after, and then an after after. And I was like, I asked Pete. I was like, Yo, did anybody say anything to you about me? Like, and he goes, What the fuck did you do? And I was like, Nothing. He goes, Then no, nobody said anything. I was like, Okay, fuck. Like, but I was so I was so worried. I was like, Dude, like I don't. The last thing I want to do is get like a cast member in trouble, especially because like Pete was like only like maybe two years in or, or, or three at the time, maybe I don't know, but. That was my one experience. But but you know what? You experienced the the that the fact that you you were worried, but there were so many other things and moving parts going on. Oh yeah, nobody gives a fuck. Had no effect. Nobody cared. Nobody it's such cared. a like. It's such a beehive, man. There's people going in and out, and everything buzzing around. Like nobody's worried about this tiny little guy who just happened to be lost in the right. corner. You know. There's also every other cast member probably had a guest there that was someplace they weren't supposed to be. You know what I mean? Like, oh yeah, I'm sure it's happened before. It has to have. Yeah, yeah but. Hopefully, uh, hopefully I'm allowed back in the building. My picture isn't up. Like I wrote a bad check at a fucking bodega, you know. Like <clears throat> I know a couple of people whose picture is up. Oh, that's a real I know thing. A couple of people that. Oh yeah, I, I didn't know it was I a did. real thing. I guarantee there are people that when they try to come back to the show, their name flashes red at the security desk, and they don't get in. <laughs> I was with someone that Adele night that took a picture, a flash picture. During her live performance, I promise you, yeah, she's not coming back. Yeah. Oh yeah, you know what I'm sure. Saying? Yeah, they, they had me paranoid about doing that too. They told us no pictures, and then I see people with their phones out, right. recording right. and taking pictures, and I was like, I thought I wasn't allowed to do that. Like, and I, I didn't do it. I wasn't aware of. I didn't. I've never even seen that. Maybe have you? I mean, maybe I just missed it. That that to me, that's just odd that you go. It's one thing to go to a to a live concert or whatever, and and which is weird to me that you just stand for two hours like this, but <laughs> to go to taping of, of a live TV show where they've said no photography, um, we're, we're we're doing our best to maintain yeah. um, the illusion, and and what dummy doesn't at least double check to turn their flash off. <laughs> Is is ridiculous. Okay. Yeah, you gotta have you gotta have an attitude deluxe, right? Right. To, to right. walk into Lauren Michaels' world and go, ah, uh, fuck that. 
Yeah, I'll do what I want. Yeah, forget it. <laughs> right. <laughs> but uh, let me ask you this, Dean. Do you have any sort of a story kind of like that? That like, you know, like it was something crazy, something wild. It doesn't have to be from SNL if you don't want to talk about SNL. But uh, we asked everybody to tell us kind of a story, a cool story from the third person, whether it's something that you witnessed or you did or somebody else that you know that went through something like crazy, you know? Went, some cra- went through something crazy. What, something it, fun. It's like a fun story that uh, maybe you witnessed or you know somebody else did, you know? And we t- we try to keep it in the third person so nobody incriminates themselves. You know? <laughs> One time <laughs> when I was playing high school football, <clears throat> I, my first year as quarterback, and I was so scared. And the the running backs, I had couldn't get the player. And I'm like, no, it's trapped left. Right? You know, talking football, talking shit. And I'm not paying attention to what I'm doing. I'm talking to the backs. And I walk up to the line, and I put my hands under center. And then I start seeing all the opposing players go, what the fuck? Blue, second blue, right? Like 395, right? I had lined up under the right guard, (laughs) not the center. (laughs) I had lined up under the right. And the right guard was like, whoa, what the fuck? (laughs) It's like, dude, you're getting handsy. Okay, so that's that's so fucking embarrassing to me. And if I weren't a comedian and used to talking shit about myself, I, I wouldn't tell anyone that. Right, right. <laughs> so, so the story, so it should be something embarrassing. Could be, or something Could fun, be. something fun, something wild, something that you maybe you saw. It has, you know, it doesn't have to be SNL related. If you know, right, you know, like, right, right. I'm trying to think like a really embarrassed because I because. You know, here's, a lot of people don't know. I was in the army, so it's hard to embarrass me at this point. I'm oh, like, you were? I didn't know that either. Yeah, yeah, man. I did uh, six years USAR. Well, oh, thank you for your service, my friend. Thank oh, you, sir. Oh, thanks, bro. Um, embarrassing. You know what? I this this was a this is a funny story. Um, yeah, it doesn't have to be embarrassing. Funny's good. Yeah, it's funny. Um, so, <laughs> so this is this is SNL. So maybe. Three, four episodes, like my fourth week. And I used to go to Boston Comedy Club or West Third to uh to run jokes. I don't I don't drink or smoke, so I didn't really hang out. Like after we would pitch guest hosts, everyone else would go out to hang out and drink and kick it. And uh and even and Mike Shoemaker, one of the producers, he said, Yeah, you wanna you wanna go and hang out? You know, just just be amongst people. I was like, yeah. I said, Mike, I have this idea. I want to work it out. This is what we're supposed to do, right? <laughs> so I would go and get on stage at Boston and talk about my experience on the show. And, and I'm doing it. You know, I'm doing Will Farrell and talking about Will. And I'm talking about Tracy. And <laughs> so Tuesday comes. I would get to get to the office early to try to get a jump on, on the work. Tracy gets in, you know, um, early evening, like five, six o'clock. And I'm sitting in my office and Tracy comes up. He's like, can I talk to you for a second? And he walks away. And I'm like, oh, all right. So I follow him. I go to his office and he stops me at the door. He's like, stay there. You don't got to come in. Just chill. I say, yeah, what's up? He's like, you know, I'm hearing you doing me. <laughs> you doing me? I said, huh? He's like, I heard you doing me on stage. Why are you doing me on stage? Do Denzel. Do do uh do Michael Jackson. Do do uh Eddie Murphy. Why are you doing me? And I was like, oh, you know what? My buddy Harris, Stan, you know, him, and and, yeah. and you probably remember him too, Dow. Um, Harris, who's good friends with both myself 
and Tracy called Tracy up on Tuesday at some point in the day. He's like, oh, man, you should have been at Boston County Club last night, man. Dean Dean does a great you. And Tracy's like, Dean does who? Dean don't do me. <laughs> so he was offended because he thought I was making fun. But it was awesome. It's a flattery. You know, it was, it was, uh, it was me just I, honoring him and just talking about everybody on the show. So he berates me. He's like, yeah, don't tell me. I'm a celebrity. Jimmy Fallon is a celebrity. Jimmy goes outside, little girls chase him. I go outside, <laughs> cops on horseback. What do you need to me? So I'm like, oh, I said, hey, man, my, my bad. I don't, I didn't realize it, it was offensive, but I don't need to. He's like, no, don't do me. Do that out. He's like, then it subsides. I go to walk away. And as I walk away, he's like, Sabina's pissed at you. That's his wife at the time. May she rest in peace. I said, huh? He said, Sabina's mad at you. My wife is mad at you. I said, why is she mad at me? Because she heard you're doing me. <laughs> I said, well, who told her? I told her. <laughs> so, so I wound up, I didn't do him. And I think I stopped doing him on stage. That was that, not that serious. And then I told Jeff Richards the story months later. <laughs> I told Jeff the story months later, and next thing I know, Amy Poehler's coming to my dressing room. Dean, you do Tracy? Huh? <laughs> I'm like, what do you mean? Because Jeff can't, can't keep his mouth shut, right? So she's like, Dean, you do Tracy? So I'm like, I could do a little bit. So now her and Dredge, then Tina. I tell Tina the whole story. I'm going to land this plane. Fast forward four or five years later I'm in I'm I'm on the street in Brooklyn like dropping my daughter for school and I get a call um but I recognize the area code and exchange is from 30 rocks I'm like finally Lauren wants me back right <laughs> so so I answer I'm like hello hey Dean it's Tina Fey hey Tina what's going on so we kick it for a little bit she's like remember that story you told me about um about Tracy I was like yeah she was like do me a favor. I have the other producers from 30 Rock on the line. Could you tell them the story? So I tell them the story. And then it turns out they wrote an episode where uh, Ronnie, who played the Jimmy Fallon character on 30 Rock, was doing an impression of Tracy on the show. And they were like, yeah, they wrote this episode um, around that situation, but they need you to come into ADR, the voice of Tracy, because Ronnie couldn't do him. So you're like, so, am I getting a writing credit story, on this? <laughs> hey, listen, I ain't go front in my mind. I was like, so can I get WGA or something for that? <laughs> but, but I, you know, I still get residuals from it. it was, it was a fun, uh, fun thing to be a part of, but it was, it was funny. And now I, I, I remember the moment I realized that it was okay to do an impression of, uh, Tracy Morgan. Eddie Murphy was, um, was on, uh, um, uh, Jimmy Kimmel. And Jimmy was like, so, so Eddie, um, you know, Tracy was like, oh yeah, man, no, Eddie, uh, Tracy, Tracy's a great guy, man. He's out there though. And then, and then, he, and then he started doing an impression of Tracy. And then I heard Tracy was all excited. I was like, so I guess you celebrity now. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome, That's awesome, man. What a great story. What a great impression, dude. Oh, thanks, man. Thanks, Daryl. And that's the, coming from you. That's 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 an honor. People don't realize Daryl. Daryl helped me on SNL uh, immensely because you know, like all of us did impressions. But but what was great about Daryl, I learned, and I had done it before, but never really 
had honed in on it. Daryl would study people where he would get, he would have like Dean Obidala and the research team get him tape of interviews. And I was like, oh yeah, that's what you, cause, cause most people, when they, when they learn impressions, I saw Denzel said one time, he said, you know, most people aren't doing an impression of me. They're doing an impression of a character in a movie that I did. You want to get an impression down, you watch someone panel, watch them in an interview right. where they're just talking, where they, you know, where there's just a conversation and they're not, and they're not being big and trying to uh, present a character. And and I, and I, I really honed in and focused on that from, from um, Daryl. So thank you. <laughs> thank you, Dean. Thank you for that compliment. Yeah, man. Yeah, man. Daryl, did you ever, I mean, you, you played obviously a lot of characters on SNL, but um, did you ever have anybody comment to you personally like Trump or Clinton or anybody say anything to you like about their, your impression of them? No, but I mean, I, I got complimented by some people. Is that what you mean? Or yeah, I mean, or like, did like, did Clinton ever say anything to you? Like, you know, did people ever get upset that, yeah, that he was doing them? Yeah, because a lot of people don't tell oh, no. So you think you could do me, huh? Like, you know, like uh, kind of like oh, he was so attitude. <clears throat> he was so nice, and he. I saw him in a uh, backstage at a hotel, I think the Beverly Hills Hotel, where he was giving a speech, and he went out and he gave a forty-seven minute speech without a script. Fifteen applause breaks, but before the show, he was eating uh, ham. <laughs> I, I went. To, I went to the Secret Service, and I, I was like, "Hey, I'm on Saturday Night Live. I can talk to President." And they're like, "Well, I don't know. I'll, I'll ask him." My God! So, a few minutes later, they come back, and I walk in, and he's like eating something like ham. And I remember thinking, "He looks so goddamn cool." And I thought, maybe that's how you're supposed to eat ham. <laughs> maybe. I've never even seen anyone eat ham the right way before because he looks so good. Do you know that I I had prepared myself for an hour to say something smart, something, you know, you're meeting the president, something right. smart. And all I could say to him, I literally, because he's, he's like a foot taller than me. He's looking in my eyes and he's, he gets inside your, your fight or fuck space like <laughs> right in here. He gets too close. Um, and you let him, yeah. you let him. And right. he's like here and he's looking down at me. And I just went, listen, thanks for my house. <laughs> and I remember thinking to myself, asshole, asshole. You meet the president of the United States and all you can say, thank you for my house. I live in a house. <laughs> I live in a house. With that woman who does not like me, you know, and I don't know exactly what he said, but it was sort of like, well, you know, <clears throat> I'll make the headlines, but yeah, y'all turn them into gold. Mm. Y'all turn them into gold. Wait. And I was like, I'll fuck you right now. You know what I mean? <laughs> Listen, oh, wait, I'm not supposed to say it, but I would totally fuck you. I'm not gay, but. <laughs> You're like, I'll be your intern. It's fine. <laughs> right, yeah, right, right. but that's but but what I'm sure when you're when you're there, and that happens, you re, you're like th similar to the Jeter story. You're like, that's why they just you have some people just have that charm where he can eat ham cool, and <laughs> but he but knows the, to get inside of your space 
to sort of put you, to disarm you, and, and now you're putty, you know? Bush, you know, Bush Jr., W walked up to me one time, and he, I had just, I had been on a diet. And he came up, and he gives me this hug, and he goes, looks like you lost some tonnage. <laughs> <laughs> wow. I was like, I have lost tonnage. In fact, I have, Mr. Brunson. What a funny way to put that, man. That's funny. Looks like you lost some Looks like you lost a little tonnage. Ah, that's funny. I appreciate appreciate your hard work. It looks like you lost some tonnage. (laughs) Give this little laugh. I love that little laugh, man. That little... (laughs) Ah, that's funny. That's hilarious, man. I think you have a very fine podcast here, Chris. Yeah, we have a great podcast going with us. Yeah, no. I I think you're on... I think I mean, you're onto something. How uh, how long have y'all been doing this? This we're just starting. We're just getting this off the ground. So oh, oh wow! Yeah, so we're putting we're putting together you a bunch of. Them. It seems <laughs> like you've been doing this. <laughs> well, you know the, the cool thing about working with Daryl, obviously, besides being stand-ups, is that him and I are both uh, former radio guys. Uh, so I, I used to be a radio DJ. Um, I'm you know I was a producer as well. So like, uh, you know, I've got those chops. I don't think they ever leave you, man. And I think no, that, yeah. With yeah. Daryl too, you know, he, he you can tell he he's he's worked in the industry for a while, especially radio and, and TV. But you know, um, do you have anything that you want to plug, Dean, before we uh, wrap it up here? Yeah, man. Um, to to everyone watching, follow my my, uh, my page at I am Dean. I'm I am Dean Edwards. I am Dean Edwards um, on Instagram every Monday night. We um we do um excuse me this podcast called the Father Monkey Protocol um and this particular month um I'm doing my favorite comics slash impressionists um the 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 requisite is you have to be a great comic and impress someone that does impressions um because who do you have on there Dean so 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 this well, month we had Daryl Hammond. Uh, well, Daryl Hammond say that I, uh, this month we've had we opened the month with uh, Jay Farrow, um, Atheon Crockett. We just had Aries Spears, uh, a buddy of mine, Cool Bubba Ice, and we're closing the month out with a uh, with a gentleman by the name you you all know him, Daryl Hammond. <laughs> we're, we're actually I normally do 11 p.m. But we're going to go a little earlier to get to get uh, so we don't just get the night owls <laughs> at eight o'clock. I believe that's August 31st. We're, we're doing eight o'clock on on Instagram live um, for the Muggle Protocol live. My man, Dal Hammond. And also you can check old episodes. Tiffany Haddish, Jim Gavigan, Russell Peters. We do, I, I just been calling in. I miss comedy and I miss. Oh, yeah. I miss, I miss our community. And so this was my my gift to the fans, but also to us. Like there's something wonderful about Gavigan saying, "Hey, Dean, thanks, thanks for doing this, man. I, this just felt this felt great, you know, because we we missed the show, but we also just missed the hangout. It oh, just, absolutely, just absolutely. You know? That that comic hang is is a yeah, is a big thing, and uh, you know. One of these days when things get back to normal, um, I, I hope that everybody listening checks out. Dean Edwards is uh, comedy man. You're a very funny dude. Like oh, I've, you, I've seen you just destroy, it and you're the guy I don't want to follow on stage sometimes. Oh, man. <laughs> you know, like you're you're always fun to work with, and you're always a, a blast to do shows with. So uh, you know, I I really appreciate the uh, the fact that you're here and 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 doing this podcast with us, man. We no, thanks, thank you so much thanks, for being here. 
as soon as you hit me um, to do it, I had I think I had just had Atheon on, and I had been already saying, "Damn, I'd love love to get Daryl on, but I'm not sure how to contact him." And then you hit me. I was like, "Oh, this is divine intervention. Yeah, perfect. This is absolutely. Awesome. You know, and 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 also like I've been having the comics on because. The the best part with all the guys that do impressions, we just been doing these runs, man. Where where uh, like the other night, uh, uh, Aries does a great Shaquille. So we had like oh, perfect Shaquille, yeah. Shaquille talking yeah. to Denzel and uh, uh, who else did he do? Uh, Paul Mooney and Tracy Morgan. It was just you know we've been having some great great uh, great creative energy when we do those things. So I look forward to to Daryl. Me too. Awesome. Very much so. Very Absolutely. much so. Well, thank you so much for being a guest, Dean. Appreciate you being here, man. And uh, let's, um, you know, let's let's try to do a comic hang with the three of us just in person at some point. You know, I look forward to it. I look you know, like we we don't have to wait till Corona ends. We'll 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 socially distance. All masked up, socially distanced. Don't worry. I'll bring sanitizer. We're all good. But thank you so much again, Dean. Appreciate you being here. Thanks, Dean. See you soon. Take care, everybody. Yeah. Bye bye. Please follow along. Follow. uh, You know. All of our Instagrams, our Facebooks, all that stuff. Uh, Dean Edwards, like you mentioned, I am Dean Edwards. Uh, Daryl Hammond, uh, Instagram, he is Daryl C. Hammond. And I am Chris Milhouse, at Chris Milhouse on uh, Instagram, Twitter, all that good stuff. Uh, we uh, really enjoy doing this, you know, and I, I, I can't wait for you guys to really hear some of these other guests we've got coming up. So it'll be, uh, this will be fun, and I, I'm, I appreciate Daryl being with me on this podcast and obviously Dean Edwards. So uh, keep tuning in, keep listening to us, and uh, we will be back soon. Awesome. See you soon, everyone. Hopefully.